Cult Podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Now please, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! And we've actually got two extra special guests with us this week. So, as you know, if you've been listening to the previous two episodes, this is part three of Colonia Dignidad. So... We decided to bring on the two guys that let us know about Colonia Dignidad. They talked about it briefly on their podcast, and now they're joining us. Uh, you already know Bobby from our Om Shinrikyo episode. Woohoo! And we've got Ryan from the Degenerate Podcast. You think you're better than me, Bobby? I do. They, yeah, no, because you had a high ratings on their show. I had I had high ratings on their show. <laughs> I have a what? better catchphrase than you. What? Less, no, no, you do not. <laughs> you know what? I'm raspier than you, too. Is, That's that, a, is the catchphrase woohoo? It is. That's my yeah. catchphrase. I was like, wow. He's Trademark. S- starting out hot. Wow. Yeah. I will Damn. say that my mom described Bobby on the episode as, how do you know that person and scary? So, hey, gonna mom, be please give me a more stunning review when you ask about me. How the hell do you know that person and terrifying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just like, uh, and I was like, calm down. That's where we're driving if the apocalypse happens. <laughs> yeah, that is damn straight. Yeah, for sure. That describes me. There's going to be one word, sultry. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been describing you as the boom boom man. What does that mean? I'm on mushrooms. What does that mean? The boom boom man. You make you talk about the things that go boom boom. Oh, that is true. I do love explosives, but I feel like everybody loves explosives, right? Am I yeah. just not the only person? I mean, not who... not as much as you, and not as much as a domestic terrorist like yeah. yourself. Yeah. I as soon as Armando said boom boom man, I was like, isn't that like a code word for when you try to get your dog to go to the bathroom? Oh. So I was very confused. Like, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Make boom boom. I yeah, know. I do it with explosives though, so it's really yeah. dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You could really fuck up a toilet. I like to think that you guys just went, who looks like a Nazi? I know. <laughs> exactly. I know. You look like you are the poster child for the Hitler youth. I, I absolutely look like a Nazi. Like if he, yeah. I always joke, because by trade, my day job, I'm an archaeologist, and I always joke, like I am cursed to constantly want to be like Indiana Jones, but constantly look like the people he's murdering. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we tried to get an explosive expert that was better than you, but the guy working the fireworks stand outside of the CBS, yeah. he was busy. <laughs> He's like, nah, bro, I'm too swamped. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, I will say, so I asked you guys to be on the show and then finished research, and what I didn't know when I asked you guys to be on the show is that this cult also made sarin gas. Ooh. So you're on our two sarin Saren, Saren, we love you so very much. Yes. <laughs> We get to sing the Saren song again. Uh, Also, just a heads up, uh, everyone listening, this one is going to be rough. Uh, There's a lot of torture, so if that's going to bother you, which it should, just morally, but, you know, maybe don't continue. And to lighten the mood before we get into really, really rough stuff, Bobby and Ryan, I need to know, eye patch or glass eye? 
So I heard the previous episodes where you mm-hmm. guys discuss what you would do, and I'm 100% on iPatch because few things. Number one, that announces to the world, I'm here, I'm ready to party. Yeah. Number two, <laughs> easy hiding spot that no one's ever going to check. Like, it doesn't matter if you get pulled into the drunk tank or whatever, you can take your secrets with you inside of an eye patch. That's true, and if the eye patch fails, you have a creepy eye hole where yeah. you can hide yeah. drugs. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then for number sure. three, it gives you a lot of different, like, uh, fashion opportunities because oh, yeah. because think of it this way your average person you want to buy like designer pants or a designer shirt that's gonna be really expensive right think how little material would be in a designer eye patch <laughs> not if it's solid gold get even on my then, level even get then my look level. at my solid gold pants i mean if it's i'm just thinking i'm picturing like a little wayne level one that's mm, like studded with that yeah, yeah if you're going little wayne level what you would actually have to do is encrust the diamonds in your eye hole oh god you're right cuz he drilled them into his teeth I but think I feel like the this... eye hole for one giant yeah, one big time. Uh-huh. But then that's so eye patch that it's actually glass eye. <laughs> that's true. See that that brings me to my answer, which is glass eye for sure, because you can accessorize real nice with that. You can be like the the bad guy from Last Action Hero. Sure. I can get you know different. I'd have different ones. I'd have a happy face. I'd have a bullseye. I'd have a picture of Bobby on there. You can do the same thing with the eye patch. And I would like to comment that with the eye patch, you can have a throwing star inside of it that you reach out as your signature weapon and toss at somebody. Ooh. I also, what I like about an eye patch is that you can be a supervillain in any uh, time period. True. Ooh, that is true. Scientist. We hate people who've been through horrible accidents. You must be a supervillain. Well, and, and Ryan, just in case you don't know, uh, the horrible accident that caused this man's eye patch is he was trying to untie his shoes with a fork. So... I'm sorry? As a child. As a child. (laughs) It's a German thing. I guess so. Bobby, do you untie your shoes with forks? No, the key to life is to not have shoes that you tie or untie. What? Well, then how do you participate in die fork and stab? Uh, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, he has Velcro shoes, obviously. <laughs> I usually wear hiking loafers, actually. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That, 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 that doesn't fit your personality at all. You, we are both always ready for combat. That's true. And if I'm wearing flip-flops, uh-huh. can, yeah, this, uh, I'm going to lose a fight with someone with uh, closed-toed shoes. 100%. That's why you don't wear flip-flops. You either wear big, chunky sandals like I'm wearing right now, in which my opening move is flinging the sandal at your face with a kick-like maneuver, or B, as a responsible adult, I wear hiking loafers, which allow me to slip them on and off, but still do the Pacific Crest Trail if I need to. Plus oh, yeah. pennies. I wear, I wear steel-toed sandals <laughs> they are a bitch to put on let me tell you <laughs> all right so with a little bit of levity uh the reason that you guys basically found out about colonia dignity is because you watched uh the did you watch the actual film or the documentary on well, Netflix? well I, uh, I watched both and i okay. um, i i first heard people talking about it because uh, a, a navy seal friend of mine uh, was on deployment in South America. And he's like, yeah, the problem is a lot of Nazis down there. I'm like, I'm sorry? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's like, a lot of Nazis. They, they, they fled there after the war. He, yeah. he just, he's like, there's whole colonies of them, man. You don't want to go in there if you're not white. <laughs> and so I, I, I was picking his brain about this. I'm like, so uh, I'm like, I don't understand. I thought they were all tried for war crimes and executed. He's like, no, the majority got, got away. God's dead. <laughs> yeah. Karma's not real. So yeah. <laughs> most of those guys died on a beach next to their hot Brazilian wife. Yeah. It's not fair. But anyway, yeah. So I started, um, I started looking into it and he's like, yeah, that movie, uh, Dignidad or Colonia Dignidad. He's like, check that out. And so I, uh, that's when I went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that was basically our first episode of the series was all rat lines and how Nazis got to South America. Okay. Uh, which, again, if you're super interested hunting Hitler, if you aren't, you know, crazy about facts. Uh, but, like, 
Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I've just seen a dude like in a Hawaiian shirt, and you're like piloting a U-boat. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting and what you know, a they lot called it Das Booty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun time U-boat. <laughs> it's a UBU boat. That's what it is. <laughs> what's interesting is that you know, as you guys covered in the last episode, it took Schaefer like ten years to get down there, and what the fuck was he doing in between? You know, yeah, like, you have no idea what kind of crazy shit was he getting up? Because you know, a guy like that, it's not like he just started doing evil shit when he got there. He was molesting kids in Germany. Yeah. Then he. Did, he went batshit crazy once he got to Chile. But in between, I like to think of that as like his weird free period, right? Like yeah. that's yeah. that's his like uh, Van Gogh renaissance, so to speak. Like where was he and what was he up to? That's he was like just a, making a lot of macaroni jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, hey guys, uh, you guys go ahead. I'm going to take a year off of evil. Just yeah. find myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to backpack around Europe. A lot of maybe painting. Go yes. through Italy with the help of the Catholic Church and the Red Cross. You and you know? know, at the time, a lot of his Nazi superiors, like the most parents, were like, man, I'm really disappointed because I thought he was going somewhere. But then when they saw what he did after he got back, they realized the vacation oh, was yeah. worth it. So the main source for today, and it's one that we've used kind of throughout the series, but as far as this period in Colonial Dignidad, it's going to be the most important, and that's the Al Jazeera documentary, The Colony, Chile's Dark Past Uncovered. That covers the time from Paul Schaefer arriving in South America through the end of the cult. So, where we left off, Augusto Pinochet had taken over Chile in a coup funded by the U.S. government, and our one-eyed permanent uncle basically got carte blanche for torture rights. So not only did this allow him to basically facilitate all of Pinochet's torture, but it also allowed him to continue torturing the members of his cult with no oversight whatsoever. So not only does he have political prisoners with him at the compound now, but he's got his own cult full of prisoners and he can do with them as he wishes. There's no oversight. No one's reporting anything. He begins routinely transporting all of the young people, mostly teenagers, um, but starting anywhere from seven years old to roughly 13, 14, to the hospital on the compound at night. For girls and some of the young boys, he does this to facilitate their electroshock therapy, Ooh. particularly on their genitals. Oh. Real quick, Paige, at mm -hmm. this point, how many people are at this colony? Fun fact. So of the colonists, there's roughly 500. And then there's another 10,000 prisoners over the course of about 15 years. Oh, my so God. So give or take a couple thousand people at a time. So the 10,000 prisoners are all, like, essentially Pinochet. Yeah. And, and again, that's over, like, 10 years. So about 1,000 okay. people a year. But at any given time, there's probably... Anywhere from a thousand to two thousand people on the compound, but they are kind of separated into different parts of the compound. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Now, when you say they're sending the young kids out for electroshock therapy, now what have the kids done? Because these kids aren't Pinochet's enemies, right? So, are these enemies of the of, of Paul Schaefer or who? None. No huh. enemies. Purely for his own amusement. Whoa! Jesus. So he's so he's most likely a sadistic psychopath. Yeah, that's kind of my theory. Um, he because he does it to boys and girls, but he only mm -hmm. seems to really. Mol I mean, obviously, electroshock therapy when you don't need it is molesting, but mm -hmm. uh, he only seems to sexually assault boys mm -hmm. as far as like you know straightforward raping people. Um, but he also really hurts teenage girls as well. So. There's some debate of, like, is he a pedophile, is he an ephibophile? But either way, he's definitely a sadist 
because regardless as to whether or not he was raping people, he loved to give people electroshock therapy when they didn't need it. Wow. And is he also doing the thing where he's banging everybody's wife too, or is he just going after the kids? No, just the kids. Whoa. In fact, so much so that, and we'll get into it a little bit later, he separated everybody. He basically wanted nobody having sex except him, and he's only having sex with the kids. Whoa. He's for sure an evil dude. He created uh, essentially the evil version of Disneyland. <laughs> with which is but his version I thought that was Neverland Ranch. His version <laughs> is only kind of... slightly less anti-semitic. I mean, here here's the crazy part is that huge sections of the main colony are designed in kind of like a fantasy land look cuz oh, it's like via Bavaria. So it's a lot of like little German cottages and lederhosen and if you walk through Fantasyland and Disneyland you're like, "Oh." It's a small world basically. Yeah. Oh man, this, thing's, this looks exactly like where those kids got molested. That's let's go yeah. to the Matterhorn. Mm-hmm. Um, so dozens and possibly hundreds of teenage girls and teenage boys were subjected to this treatment. And then he would go on to expand it to adult women to punish them for disloyalty or escape if they didn't want to do their farmer housework. And then also adult men if they tried to escape. However, a lot of times with the adults, he would also force feed them um, psychoactive drugs and Whoa. then shock them. Oh, like what? Like LSD? No, no, no. More like um, antipsychotics, actually. Is oh, my more God. So he would force oh. feed them schizophrenia and epilepsy medicine and then shock them. Now, oh, let me just ask you guys. Have you guys ever been shocked, electrically shocked? No. Like by a fence? Like a... Like yeah. a my dad made me lick a nine volt battery once. Okay, Is yeah, that... a little, that's a little little DC shock, Amanda. I've been shocked by uh, an outlet when I was trying to fix it. Okay, yeah. So you got a little bit of one twenty. Like it's yeah. incredibly painful. Oh yeah, it's it's insanely painful. Like uh, if you get just for fun, sometime get a taser and taser. Yeah, yourself. no thanks. For fun. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Or you I see a... you visited Colonia Dignity. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got but... a fast pass for the Shock Town. <laughs> no, but in high school one time, one of our buddies got a taser, and then you know how oh, it works God. with yeah. with the uh, you know wars. Did you play taser tag. Yeah, essentially everybody then because of the way weapons you know accumulation happens, everybody needs a taser, and then it becomes taser wars. Escalations, then nunchucks get introduced. What terrifies me when you talk about people being tortured with electricity is this quality of being electrically shocked which is that if you get shocked for a second it's painful it's quite painful yeah but it gets exponentially worse with the amount of time that you hold it on so like a four second shock or a four second tase isn't four times as bad as a one second tase it's 10 times as bad yeah. and, it, and it keeps going up and so when you hear about these guys who just have compounds where they have electroshock equipment hooked up it's terrifying because the amount of pain that you can cause somebody in the course of an hour is just it's unimaginable if you haven't felt it before. And they basically spent a lot of their time experimenting to see how they could make it more painful. Jesus. And we'll get in kind of way towards the end when they start really going in on political prisoners, what they did to make it more painful. Um, and only a handful of people survived. It's, it's like the machine in Princess Bride. Like, it's that yeah. bad. Um, but for the teens that they were initially testing it out on... They ended up accidentally sterilizing almost all of them. The boys and the girls were both? Both. So for the boys, they would attach the diodes for the electricity to their testicles. Yeah. And then for girls, they would put it inside. Because we have our first gross-out moment of the show. Well, I was going to say, if you want to consider this, like, 
just medically, physiologically speaking, if you were to sterilize a young man by shocking his testicles, that seems fairly straightforward as that would happen. You know, you could right. damage the vas deferens or you could damage the actual testicles themselves, whatever. But to sterilize a woman, you'd actually have to kill the eggs that are already existing inside of her ovaries. Like, that's a big deal. Or damage the uterine lining or something. But, like, yeah. you have to do serious damage. I suspect it was probably nerve damage. Mm. That probably, you know stopped periods or something sure. some just widespread body damage um he also for boys used to sedate them and then just abuse them while they were sedated Jesus. yeah it's brutal and i made horrible. a i made a baking soda volcano that was my experiment <laughs> why can't we all be fun like i know me? actually the, the sedation sounds like the most humane thing he's done so far right yeah yeah, I mean, which none of it is, but like, I mean, if you have your choice of being electrocuted or sedated, yeah, maybe yeah. sedated, but you don't know what happens to you when you're sedated, no, so sometimes... Yeah. yeah, but it's going to be bad either way. I might as well not know, right? That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. except that the sedation would sometimes cause life-altering injuries, so people uh, would be sedated and then wake up and be like, oh, I can't walk anymore. Uh, like, it's just oh, wow. horrifying. Um, he again started applying it to adults whenever they would disagree with him and he would claim that it was essentially medicine he would consider it healing or re-education but he's not a doctor no. he was like a nazi medic but that's not a doctor and so he would basically tell people he was removing bad memories that were making them disobedient but he would often accidentally remove basic cognitive functions as well so a lot of these people are in wheelchairs and have long-standing physical problems if they survive. Who would disagree with this guy after a while? <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, dude, I, I, he could say the sky's made of pennies. I don't want to go back to the chair. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. I so, mean, he, he won in that way. So he's not just doing their genitals, then. He's, he's shocking their brains. Whole thing. Oh, he's I mean, a one-stop shop, baby. Yeah, for, for the teenagers, it was a lot of genitals. For adults, it was just wherever we can stick electroshock, like, you Jesus. know. Yeah, it's very because yeah. what's what's crazy is in this time, electroshock therapy is actually turning out to be a legitimate medical therapy, right? Yeah. So, so for people with severe depression, they would give them electroshocks to the head that was very painful. You'll see like one flew over cuckoo's nest and stuff, mm -hmm. and and it actually was a good treatment for people who had no other option. We still do it to this very Carrie day. Carrie Fisher swore by yes. it before yeah. her death for for uh, for basically for severe depressive cases in which she had no other cure. We do that to this day, but we sedate them beforehand so they yes. don't have the pain of being having yeah. their brain shocked, and mm -hmm. we do it quite properly with the right amount of voltage and stuff. It sounds like he was just throwing in whatever he yeah, had he and trying. Yeah, he was just like, flip the switch. Let's see also, what happens. If you don't have, uh, if you don't have electricity, you can just do it by uh, shotgunning a Mountain Dew. It's about <laughs> yeah. the same as a bolt of lightning. <laughs> yeah. well, um, I like code red. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you say that he's not, he's not a doctor, right. which is really worse because we know what the Nazi <laughs> doctors were doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, He's worse than the guys that we know of, like when that you think of when you think of evil. I'm not doctor. as smart as a guy that injects dog semen into people. Yeah. Not, I'm not quite there yet, yeah. but I'm working towards. I'm not it. like so twins together level, but I'm getting there. Like it's it's. But horrible. gosh, it's on my vision board. Yeah, <laughs> so he's he's basically the Mister Pib of Doctor Mangle. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you shotgun a Mister Pib, you just turn German. <laughs> Well, and remember They're also, pib. or you just don't have a degree, right? <laughs> if you're drinking Mr. Pip, you don't have anything. Oh. 
also, remember for the adults, he's force-feeding them medication that they don't need. So when they come back out of the electroshock, their brains are irreparably damaged. <laughs> it's horrible. They come out liking Mr. Pitt. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, okay. They're getting the medicine from the hospital that they right. own. Yes. Where do we know where the medicine's coming from? The government. The government of Chile? Yeah. Where do they... Do we know where they're importing it from? No. Getting no. It from? Ironically, if it was nowadays, it would be Germany. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I guess if it's going through the government of Chile, they're not. Whoever's supplying it doesn't know where it's going. No, from. they think well, they're they giving it to a hospital, know. right? Yeah, no, they think they're giving it to they, a hospital. They think they're giving it to the hospital. And remember that the colony was putting out like tape after tape after tape of propaganda showing that it was a really pleasant place to live and that this hospital was a charity hospital yeah. for all the local Chileans where they could be seen for free. The hospital is like uh, a serial killer's business. Yes, it's a front. They just—they're like, "How can I be bad? Yeah. I have a hospital and I help out all these kids. I paint houses and clear out crawl spaces. How can I be bad?" <laughs> you just imagine somebody coming up and being like, uh, "Hi, I'm a representative of the government from Chile. Um, uh, we love the hospital and all. I just—I can't seem to make these numbers work." You seem to be using like five times as much electricity <laughs> as the other hospitals. It's like how they discover meth labs. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, we have very second. fancy light bulbs. We have the best light bulbs. We spared no expense for the people of Chile with these light bulbs. To get an idea of kind of what a nightmare Colonia Dignidad was, one of the lawyers for the current lawsuit describes it as uh, the sexual abuse of the children in Colonia Dignidad was ritualized, organized, and a perfected practice. It was a pedophile's paradise. So was it more than just Schaefer? Were there other people doing this? Everything I heard was Schaefer. But there were also reports that he would molest anywhere from three to six people people a day. Different a people. Day? A day? When you're pulling in those day. kind of numbers, word's going to get around. It's going to attract some Whoa. more pedos. A day, and no one was safe. It Like, even his second and third in command, like his inner circle, their kids weren't safe. No kid was safe. Now, anyone. let me ask you this. Did his second and third command know? Yeah. Or they're just like, all right, you're going to take them off the, okay. Well, if you disagree with them, you, you get oh, the, right, yeah. right, the boo box. Well, plus yeah. a lot of them didn't even know their own kids, right? Because yes. they got taken away at birth and they oh, were raised shit, communally. Right. Yeah. So. so I have a quick question because you're saying like Schaefer was the only one doing the molesting, but a lot of times you see that children who are molested as they grow. Continue to molest because continue. they've learned the behavior. Well, because they're also, that's a way to regain power in a yeah. place where you feel powerless. So I'm wondering, like, as children who started out being molested grew older, did they start, did any of them start maybe molesting some of the younger kids? It's possible. Of of the interviews that we currently have, which we don't have a ton, that is kind of the thing, is that they some of these people were traumatized so badly, they don't talk about it. And the government doesn't want to talk about it. And the existing structures and the people who stayed don't want to talk about it. So all we have really are the reports from the people who are willing to talk. And they are all basically saying Schaefer. Okay. Um, and that's everyone from children to political prisoners who survived. They all say Schaefer. I'm sure it's safe to assume that other people were probably doing it, but you probably never going to get exact names for sure yeah well for and sure. i mean like they probably i'm sure even if they weren't doing it they're handing him the diodes oh yeah they're flipping the switches i mean it's a know. culture of abuse well and what they did say too is he was very good at taking victims and then forcing those victims to victimize other victims 
So, like, he would staff the hospital with people he had already abused. Well, it means that they, he's laying off of you for now. Yes. Yeah. So people, I think you probably saw a lot of people who would go along with it and help him out just to get a break. Yeah, that's how the away. Lost Boys worked. The Lost Boys from Peter Pan. I was trying. I was like, which Lost Boys? The one with the shirtless saxophone or Peter Pan? Uh, the one with Rufio. Okay. <laughs> Where they're just a tribe of boys that... It's alleged that Peter would murder them if they got too old. Peter Pan is dark. It says that miss some subtext. Don't grow up in Neverland. No, so in the matter. book it says that Peter would cull them as they got too old. That is true. He would remove them as they got too yeah. old in the original J.M. Barry novel. Yeah, and yeah. it was it was. They no. don't know if he kicks them out or if he kills them. In but the original novel, Peter Pan is not necessarily a hundred percent good. No, he also was hanging out for a while down in Chile doing some crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah, he <laughs> built this swimming pool that has like a swastika tiled into the bottom yeah. of. Is that are his tights later, Hosen? Did I miss something? I mean, maybe. Well, that is all ruined for me now. <laughs> and there's a guy with an eye patch right around the corner. Yeah. Oh my god! He's got a hook, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's how he got the eye patch. Yeah, he was, yeah. he was trying to untie his shoes with the hook. It was, was my like, first day with the hook. He, if he wore better shoes, it wouldn't have happened. But he just refuses to wear Crocs because of an unrelated incident. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so uh, it's one of the few cults where we actually have a pretty unique opportunity that we don't usually get on the show. A lot of times when we cover cults, we're covering the culture that allowed a cult to foster, like to, you know, grow. We're covering a cult leader and their life story because that's mm-hmm. the bulk of the information we have. But with Colonia Dignidad, what we actually have is a survivor's life story of growing up in the cult and then now being an adult talking about the cult. So we'll actually be covering Wilfred Hempel, who he grew up in the cult, was freed, and then went to university and law school and is now suing the government of Chile and the government of Germany, along with 120 other survivors for restitution. Hmm. So he's kind of a badass. Yeah. He's pretty dope. Um He's one of the few survivors that's willing to speak freely, um, and he's given multiple interviews detailing his life growing up. If you see any documentary or TV show about Colonial Dig- Colonia Dignidad, Wilfred's in it. He's basically their main guy because he's like, ask me anything. I will tell you anything. I have no shame. I'll talk about being abused. I don't care. I'm an open book to try and make sure this never happens again. Hi, Wilfred. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? That one I won't talk about. I won't. <laughs> It's a Mr. Pibb household. <laughs> was he born there? Uh, he was born there. Jesus. Yeah. It's so uh, interesting that he didn't get indoctrinated if he was born there. So he was. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about it a little well, bit. Well, it's because so. that guy didn't have a degree. He wasn't a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Wilfred's parents had suffered severe economic devastation following the end were following the end of World War II in Germany, which is kind of what we talked about a little bit on the last episode, where... When you're looking at it and you're like, why would everyone move to Chile with a known pedophile? It's because life was that bad in Germany. And that definitely holds true for Wilfred's family. So they had undergone years of hardship before meeting Paul Schaefer in the mid-50s. They joined his religious movement and the charity that he had prior to being a fugitive for molesting children. Um, So... 
He describes Schaefer as having a dark and intimidating presence, but also having a magnetism that people couldn't really ignore. So he basically thinks... No, they literally couldn't ignore him. He would fucking shock the shit out of you. They're like, is he looking at me? I can't tell. It's a glass eye. Uh, (laughs) So, and... It's a magnet. That's what it was. (laughs) It's not glass. It's just a magnet. He just takes it out and puts it on the fridge to keep notes. Um... And I know we covered this a little bit last time, um, but over the first few years in Chile, so basically 1962 to the early, early 70s, over 300 followers joined him there. So it starts small, but it grows very big, and nearly a third of those followers were children. And the rest were largely young couples, many of whom were about to have children. So they basically arrive in Colonia Dignidad with a pre-made society that's about to grow a bunch. Those children, do you think that it was a situation where their parents were like, we're not going to be able to get out, please go with him and you'll be safe? No, these are people's children that oh, they okay. took with them. Now here's the Oh, people just thing. had a lot of children. Yeah, people just okay. had children gotcha, and brought gotcha. them. But here's the weird thing. When you landed in Chile, if you had children, you still had to give your children over to the communal aunts. Is what they, yeah, every yeah, adult yeah. is an aunt or an uncle. And so children who knew their parents were then raised communally and told not to speak to their parents because you're not supposed to have parents or adults that favor you over another child. Hmm. It's a little strange. But part of the way he was able to get all these people to join him and come to Chile is that he told them that Russia was going to occupy Germany and make them into communists and that they needed to leave before that happened, which, like, in his defense, I'm sure Russia wanted to. They, I mean, they kind of did. Yeah. They, they did through half. You could say that is absolutely true for yeah. 50% of Germany. Yeah, it was one of those See, things. See, wasn't all bad. <laughs> well, it was one of those things where, they, like, a bunch of people in interviews are like, yeah, he lied to them and they believed him. I was like, they had a reason to believe yeah. that. That's like, exactly what happened. That was exactly. the Berlin Wall. Yeah. I'll be goddamned if I turn it into a communist. Now join me on my commune. Exactly. Oh, fuck. Oh, so because a, upon arriving on, in Colonia Dignidad, Schaefer informed them that he wanted the entire community to be like the early Christians in the book of Acts, which meant that everyone shared everything, you know, like communism. Yeah. Yeah. Basically communism. How <laughs> we're, ironic. We're, is- we're doing good communism over here. It's better. And that's also going to play really, really into it later when Pinochet takes power and he's considered to be anti-communist. Basically, that's how he gets everybody to go along with it. So Pinochet took power in 1973 uh, after deposing the elected Democratic president because that president was a socialist. And the United States was like, can't have that. Let's pay for this guy to kill other people. Let's put a maniac in charge. Yeah. So the maniac is in charge. And four years later in 1977 is when Wilfred was born. So he was born in Colonia Dignidad. Mm to two of Schaefer's followers who had emigrated from Germany. He's full German, uh, but he speaks fluent Spanish because he grew up in the post-Pinochet period, which we'll cover in a little bit. Real quick, just so that I get this right, you said initially that they're not allowed to fuck 
anyone, right? They're not supposed to, but yeah. But kids still stay being born. I mean, people stay fucking. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was there a yeah. lot of, like, virgin birth stories? Was there a lot yeah. of, like, oh, my God, it's just, like, early Christianity. Oh, well, my God. Okay, that, that makes me ask a question then. Yeah, so sure. if, if they were, if they did get pregnant, were they, were, were they in trouble? I mean. They had to keep it, and once they had the baby, they would give it to the communal nurses, and then they would potentially be punished. Although not super severe. Clearly, because, because they hey, needed kids. kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Wilford didn't know his parents because Schaefer basically made everyone surrender their children immediately to the communal nursery. Um, and he abolished families, husband and wives. Even if you were married beforehand, you can't live together. Everyone is separated by gender and by age group. So you're living with a bunch of people your same age and your same gender in separate dormitories. Just understand that you're in a cult if this is happening. Yeah. You yeah, guys, how many cults have you brought this up where it's like this we're is cult se- 101? Yeah, this this is, when you when you do the whole get rid of your families, separate into different dorm rooms. Like you're either yeah. you're either freshman year at a Christian college or <laughs> or, or you're in a cult. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say that's pretty yeah. Cool. I mean, depending on the college, you also you we be- did cover that one uh, Christian Hogwarts school. So yeah. you know. You gotta you gotta realize though that there's probably one unhappy married couple. Yeah, that they were I was like, like you, thank God, you gotta separate. And he's like, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, I gotta live with all my bros. Yes. <laughs> so Schaefer claimed that this splitting up of families and handing children over was as a means of establishing equality among all of the members of the cult, where no one had a better or worse upbringing or a better or worse day or a better or worse relationship <laughs> because they all had the same thing. But in reality, this just allowed Schaefer to have much more access to the children because there were no parents to raise alarm. So if you remember from the last episode, the reason he had to leave Germany is because the parents of the children he molested spoke out. And that basically caused the police to go after him. But this system removed the parents as an obstacle. That means that there's no one to speak out. There's no one for these children to talk to except for the aunts and the uncles who are the ones helping to facilitate these relationships Mm -hmm. with Schaefer by giving him access. So it's rough. Wilfred says that at this time he would cry himself to sleep every night because he felt so alone. Because even though he – I mean essentially they live in an orphanage even though they are not orphans. They're also – because you're not supposed to spend too much time with any one kid, they're missing out on that maternal bond. Well, that comes into play. So Wilford didn't know the identity of his parents until he was almost 10 years old. And there's no pictures of them together aside from group photos of the compound and then one or two photos later on. He discovered – who his parents were because his parents started sneaking in to see him. Mm -hmm. So basically the only reason he knows is because his parents were like, yeah, fuck this though. I'm going to actually, you know, I got to see the kid. But a lot of children would never know their parents. May I ask you a question here? What uh, percentage of the people do you think were having these types of, uh, um, Pushback, like, uh, like secret li- relationships with their children. That and and and, uh, and starting to be like, I don't think this is such a good idea anymore. What, what percentage would you say is it was all in, and which uh, people were like, we've made a huge mistake. I feel like everyone at some point got to the point where they thought it was a huge mistake, but there was no way to take it back. Okay, all right. So, so everyone, okay, I feel like his story is probably more common than we think, and okay. we just haven't heard from those people yet. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know because they do have interviews from some people that just don't know who their parents are and never will yeah. because they're probably long dead yeah. at this point. Yeah. 
Um, Winfred started working full time at the age of seven, along with all of the other seven year olds. He was sent to harvest the field seven days a week from early in the morning to late at night. He would occasionally get full meals, but that was also one of the punishments. If you did something wrong, they would just take away your food. And if anyone was to give you or sneak you food, they would be punished. Wait, so wait, wait, hold on. If it. you're harvesting the field, I yeah. feel like you can grab a few strawberries right, and down but them. If you do and then you get the chair, is it worth it? Do you yeah. go hungry or do you get the chair? It's, you know, it's pretty brutal. Um, so he would go hours and often days without food. Um, he was lucky to get a couple of hours of sleep every night. And they were never paid and would only get to rest one day a year. And what? also, they did all of this in Lederhosen. Their oh, photos. my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many children died before adulthood? We don't necessarily have an official record, but definitely some. Like, we don't know exactly who or how many. They're still going through the mass graves, but definitely. Do Was the day that they all got off, was it the same day? Was it like a German holiday? Yeah, I think it was a German holiday. Oh, okay. And yeah. you know what's sad? When you only have one day off, you got to do laundry that day. Yeah. Clean the house. I mean, you're not doing anything I'm really I'm pretty fun. sure it was Hitler's birthday. <laughs> it's Blaze 420. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So if you didn't work or if you didn't obey the rules, you were locked up, beaten, or taken to the hospital for torture. Schaefer also kept dogs and would train them to attack the cult members and then call them off last minute. So oh he's the Ramsey Bolton yeah. of yes. cult leaders. Yeah, he's okay. horrifying. Uh, another survivor, Werner Schmidtke, was brought to the colony from Germany as a child and was raised by the communal ants until he was seven when Schaefer requested to see him personally. And he said that Schaefer would actually treat him as if he was his own child. So because you don't have that parental connection because you've been taken away from your parents and now this guy is the only one who treats you like he's your parent, it creates a very confusing relationship because this is someone who loves you but is also hurting you very badly. And so he was the only one that would like hug them and things like that. And so after he would gain their trust, he would then abuse them. And again, sometimes violently. And if you fought back, as Werner did, he would just send you for electroshock therapy. Jesus. So. Can I ask, why is everybody going along with this? Like, I get yeah. that he was a high-ranking Nazi at one point, but the Nazi empire has fallen decades ago. Yeah. They're in a, on a different continent on the other side of the earth. Why doesn't everybody else just be like, we're tired of our kids getting touched. We're coming after you. There's nowhere think, to go. Yeah, I think it's a lot like when No, Joe no, no. I mean, like, mutiny. Yeah, you're like, Take it yeah. over. attack him from the left side. He can't see out of that eye. Let's get him. I think it's a lot of things. I think it's kind of like Jonestown where you're separated from all the mm. things that you know. So even if you do escape, where are you going to go? But then on top of that, it's that reluctance to admit that something you thought was great is the worst thing in your life. Well, also, if it doesn't go the way you plan, you plan you're going to get killed. So who wants to be the first to speak up and risk everyone going, no, how dare you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, I guess if you're, I, from my perspective, I just see your life is getting electroshocked. You'd probably, like, I've done it, take my chances. I, I, I agree, you can't get away. But the difference with Jonestown is Jim Jones had to have, you know, a core group of 20 people with AK-47s running around to make sure people drank the Flavor-Aid, right? Yeah. Where, whereas... 
If and they have that too. Oh, remember? do they? Yeah, because Pinochet's army is there. Okay, but before the Pinochet, the Pinochet era was until the eighties. It right? wasn't, but well, it's seventy three. Okay, is when it starts. But even before that, they had electrified fences. Mm, they had, I mean, yeah. like it's not easy to get out. Okay. Um, and then once Pinochet gets there, you're definitely not getting out because there's you know dogs, there's guards walking around everywhere. And that's when they start manufacturing weapons, which we'll get into. And if just you're a sec. if if you're uh, if you're one part of like the people that are helping him, and you don't have kids, for the most part, your life is not terrible. Mm. I mean, except for the electroshocks of your genitals, that yeah. part is terrible. That part will always be terrible. But I mean, like uh, these people, they're gonna defend him just for the sake of the fact of like if if everything goes wrong and you're not on the right side like you said it's just you're fucked you're completely yeah, right. fucked so they won't just kill you they will yeah. they've got they torture you in your life yeah. they will torture you to death yeah. oh yeah and they did for a lot of people yeah. um winifred also describes a part of the compound that was called the confession room uh, they said every night people would confess their sins to the entire compound, and then they would be beaten until they repented, just like Jonestown. This is Jonestown 101. This is basically just pre-Jonestown Jonestown. What is what is what is uh, repenting uh, entail? Like, do you just say repent? I'm good. That's the thing. No beatings. You, I'm fine. I'm repenting right now. It's kind of like you know uh, witch trials back yeah. in the day where they're like, well, we're gonna try and drown you, and if you survive, you're a witch, and if you drown, you're innocent. Okay. But either way, you die. Yeah. It's kind of like this, where we're going to beat you until you say you're sorry, but we're going to decide when you're really sorry. Okay, got it. So he basically invented getting jumped into a gang. A hundred percent. And now you've got a bunch of people participating. Mm -hmm. So now there's this fear of if I try to run away, if I try to leave, not only will I be tortured if they find me, but also I can't trust the people around me to keep my secrets. Everyone is a suspect. It's like the, you know how in reality shows they have the place where they interview everyone to be like, so tell us what's going on. It's like that, but like super evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not here to make friends. (laughs) When Shaver said my sandals were ugly, I was thinking like that would really hurt me. (laughs) Um, Winifred said he considered escaping, but he knew he wouldn't make it far enough before the dogs caught up. So he never did. He was in multiple propaganda videos for the compound, and what they would do is they would dress them all up in nice clothes and have them play on playgrounds and stuff that were on the compound just for the video. And then as soon as they were done taping it, everyone's back in their normal clothes, and you are not allowed on that playground. The playground was literally there for the videos. Jesus. Yeah. I think like the more you know videos, only it's a swastika instead of a star. <laughs> <in> yeah. <laughs> the more you hate. <laughs> oh. Yep. And now we get to the part where Pinochet comes in. So all of this torture is happening before Pinochet even gets there. And once he gets in there, because Schaefer was, quote unquote, so against communism and he needed to get away with all the torture and slavery, he volunteered the commune to be the torture camp for Pinochet. And at this point, they became the main torture center, and their factories went from producing basic household goods for the compound to producing guns and sarin gas. Now, Bobby, you remember from last time, how hard is it to manufacture sarin gas without killing people around it? It's very difficult. The reason is because sarin's a small molecule, so sarin can leak out of stuff pretty easily. And so if you are doing normal equipment, like let's say we set up our sarin laboratory here in this studio, right? Mm-hmm. Our condensers to our larger beakers to our active uh, cultures and all of that stuff, 
is going to have to be airtight every sequence of the way. And if there's just a tiny little leak, then that's going to get out. Now, I'll compare that to something like anthrax, which is actually fairly easy to kind of handle without necessarily exposing or poisoning yourself. And the difference is, it's like really hard to make Saren and not die doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why all of his pranks involve anthrax. Yeah, that's right. I'm an anthrax man myself. It sounds like you're describing killer kombucha. <laughs> is, that, is that around this the This has range? higher alcohol content. So oh, okay. catch me up. What is sarin gas as opposed to like mustard gas? So sarin's a nerve gas, and it's basically going to stop your nerves from firing. You're going to die as your body stops functioning and you essentially drown in your, in your own body. You know, it, it's it, a painful death. Yeah, too. it's incredibly painful because in it, as part of that is you feel like you're essentially on fire, like yeah. your nerves are on fire. Or if you want to watch a documentary, might I recommend The Rock? Oh, okay, got it. That is what they were going to shoot from Alcatraz. Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Nicolas Cage movie, The Rock. Yeah, yes. okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So nerve gas, so it just uh, roasts you to death. That's what it does. <laughs> All right. So this gas got nerve. It just goes, you're really fat in that top, Stacey. <laughs> And then you go, oh, no, and then you die. <laughs> so Pinochet and the secret police, uh, his secret police, allowed Colonia Dignidad to handle all of their torture and their weapons under the proviso that Colonia Dignidad got to do experiments on their prisoners when they weren't being tortured. I'm so sick of countries outsourcing oh, jobs. <laughs> so basically... Their agreement is like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do the torture you want to do, and then we'll do the electroshock that we want to do. It's freelance work. <laughs> yeah, it's freelance work. <laughs> Little, one for you, two for me. I like, have, it's, you know. I have my work, and I have my passion project. <laughs> yeah. I try not to take my work home with me, but, you know, these the little electrodes are sticky. I just, I just imagine just a sadistic Paul Schaefer just uh, sharpening up his electrodes, and he's like, you know, when you love what you do, you never work a day oh, in your life. God, I mean, not far. Uh, which is where we get one of the only surviving accounts of a political prisoner from this time. A man named Luis Peebles was a medical student in 1975, and he was a member of a militant left-wing movement that resisted Pinochet's coup. So this is part of who the movie Colonia is based on, the one with Emma Watson. This, right. Like, the Daniel Bruhl basically plays this character. So during his interrogation at Colonia Dignidad, which took place in the tunnels underneath the compound. So there was an entire underground tunnel system that some people have theorized was built to house Hitler when he escaped, but was mainly used to basically funnel prisoners through where they were then tortured and killed without anyone living above them knowing. The worst part of that the last few sentences was every time you said funnel, I thought you were going to end it with cake. And instead <laughs> you made me really sad. I'm sorry. But this is also how a lot of the colonists at Colonia mm. Dignidad don't know anything. They never see these people. They don't really have any reports of it. And it almost wasn't until afterwards when the compound was raided that they found each side found out about the other side mm. where they didn't necessarily know they were there unless you were an adult who was hired to work and not hired, but slaved, forced to work with the, the prisoners. It's kind of like those dudes who have two families, yeah. and then they yeah. find out about each other yeah. when he dies. Yes, Or exactly. like a Nazi concentration camp, torture camp version of the Sixth Sense. You know, like you don't realize till the end that there were a whole bunch of prisoners there the whole time. Yeah, well, it's also like even if you look back at World War II and the concentration camps, there were two parts to every camp where there was – 
the actual work in death camp itself. And then the other half was a neighborhood, like a pleasant looking track home neighborhood for the Nazis that worked in the camp and never the two shall meet. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's something Germans have been doing for a long time. Again, Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pitt. Exactly. Two distinct flavors, one world. Um, during Luis's interrogation, he describes that they put small electrodes all over his body, including underneath his fingernails. <gasps> Fuck. Inside his urethra and yeah. anus, Oh, shit. As well as in his nose, ears, and mouth. Oh, no. You had me at urethra. Yeah. Oh, he, boy. Yeah, he was... How old is he right now? Now he's in his 70s. No, I mean during this torture. During this torture, he was in his 20s. Ooh, hey. Yeah. Oh. Uh, he was lucky to eventually get out alive. Most people who were brought to the camp were never seen again uh, until about a year or so ago when their bodies were all found in a mass grave and people are still sifting through the bones to identify who's there. But most people will never be recovered. Did they say how many they think is in that mass grave, numbers-wise? They can't quite tell, but it's hundreds. Oh, old mummy digger over here yeah, wants to I know. Get at it, it. It, is, it is literal hundreds, potentially thousands. They haven't gotten to the bottom of the grave yet. Wow. They haven't gotten to the bottom yet? No, because there's just that many. It's just huge, mass grave that they, they were just dumping people into. Are they handling it kind of like an archaeological dig? Yes. They're trying to, like, separate mm-hmm. bodies. They are trying to separate bodies. So that was in 2018, archaeologists got the rights to dig. And then they basically have, have to catalog each body, but it's all jumbled up together. So... Bobby is staring off into the distance, I'm, thinking of like, how wistfully. he would do it. No, I'm just doing I'm doing the math in my head because you got to figure. Okay, so so you would expect some number of bodies, right? So this, this society has been running since 1971. Yeah, she uh, said it was. They haven't found the bottom yet. No, 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 I know. So like just, a like an order of French fries at the Red Robin. <laughs> there is no bottom. So like, let's say this was the happiest, most peaceful colony on earth, right? We like would ex- a Red Robin. We like a Red Robin. <laughs> we would expect some percentage of those 500 people people to die of natural causes natural yeah no matter what so what would i wonder what that delta is in between you know what we would expect to be there and that mass that's in that mass i mean Mm. i would say given the ages of the people that went because a lot of them were younger it's probably a lower amount from from natural deaths than you would think of i would say of those 550 probably died in this time span um maybe 70 maybe 100 if they caught some illnesses, etc. Um, but with the torture and with the amount of prisoners that they're bringing in, remember it's at least a thousand prisoners a year and yeah. very few survived. We're talking, it could be anywhere from, let's say 2,000 to 20,000 bodies. Wow. And unlike Om Shinrikyo, these guys weren't smart enough to come up with a human body microwave to get rid of those I remains. Know. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, you forgot about the microwave, didn't you? I don't even like normal microwaves. <laughs> In my house, we have a body toaster oven. That's what we have <laughs> because we're classy. Hipsters. You mean cremation? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now... Again, the people above had no idea. In fact, they weren't allowed to see newspaper, radios, TVs, anything. The only thing they ever saw on TV were videos that Schaefer made that were pro-Pinochet. 
to basically be like, this is a great guy. Look how much we love him. It's just him and awesome. It's him in three different disguises, and he's like, this penal guy is great. <laughs> I feel like he's got a lot of good ideas about murdering Marx people. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't wear the Groucho Marx glasses. He's <laughs> far too anti-Semitic he just, he for that. He just switches out eyes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's clearly not me. Those eyes are blue. <laughs> so now around this time, more people did start escaping. So we had two people escape in the 60s, and then no one really escaped for a while because they really cracked down on it. But in the early 80s, people were running wild getting out of this cult. And they ran to the German embassy, who sent them back to the colony. No! Why? Dog, so, what the fuck? Remember in the very, 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 very first episode, maybe the beginning of the second episode, we talked about how no one's really sure how he made it from Germany to Chile as secretively as he did. And one theory is that he knew the German ambassador to Chile. Later on, there are embassy members that had a close relationship with him and the colony. So whenever they got escapees, they sent them right back to keep them quiet. And upon their return to the colony, escapees were tortured, definitely, and even sometimes killed if people didn't think that they would be quiet. So Muller, um, her name is, I cannot pronounce it, I am terrible, but Wolfgang Muller and his wife, I'm going to give it a try. Hold on. Gudrun? Sure. Sounds right Gudrun? to me. Yeah. Sounds uh, Gudrun enough. God there damn it. Go. Yeah. They both tried to escape. Wolfgang was eventually successful, and he made a couple attempts, and after those attempts, he was actually, again, force-fed medication and electroshocked until he lost the use of some limbs, some temporarily, some permanent. Oh, my God. Whoa. But a lot of people didn't necessarily listen to the stories coming out yet. So it wasn't until 1984 when three of Schaefer's inner circle. So these are the people that are like right up next to him. They know everything, but their kids are still not safe. They escaped to Germany, somehow bypassing the embassy. And they basically started to detail what was happening in the colony. They testified at length about the abuses going on. But by this time, the accidental sterilizations as well as separated living meant that between deaths and escapes, the colony's birth rate was way too low, and they were running out of children, which meant that Schaefer began encouraging more and more adoptions from local towns. Now, once Pinochet had come to power, began contracting them, they needed more people to manage all the torture because they were, you know, they had a high demand. So this uh, is... It just imagine some dude, like, from office space where he's like, okay, we need your torture reports. Like, just, You can just get that on my desk yeah. by Monday. I need to know numbers. how like, many The banality eyes. of evil. Just, yes. Oh, God. So this is when they started adopting Chilean children from local families and also large-scale slavery of adult inhabitants of the compound. So a lot of the German nationalism began to fade at this point, but there was a ton of intermingling. And because of the propaganda and the hospital, a lot of the local Chileans only saw the good version of the colony and they admired them. So they considered it a privilege for their children to go live there. 
and Schaefer basically abused those children with abandon until 1995. Because even though at this point the German government knew about it and knew bad things were happening, they can really only intercede for German citizens. And now it's a mix. And it's not necessarily just Germans. And it's even harder to get in and harder to prove because this is a different country under a hostile ruler who's not necessarily going to grant them access. So the thing that finally unraveled the cult is in 1995, or a little before that, now Chile was a democratic country. They'd elected a new president, large-scale reforms. The colony was now under scrutiny because it had been a torture farm. And so now police were sniffing around. But they didn't have a concrete reason to go in until 1995. Something fishy's going on at that torture farm. Exactly. When one of the children that they had adopted from a local Chilean family, because even though, like, these aren't orphans that they're adopting. They're, like, going to a family and being like, yo, can we have your kid? And they're like, what a wonderful opportunity. (laughs) So one of these children escaped and made it back to his mother, where he told her that he had been raped. And his mom immediately listened and believed him and knew that if she went to any of the local authorities, they wouldn't do anything because it was the colony and everyone knew the colony. So she took her child and secretly traveled the four hour, it's 400 kilometers, which is like 300. It's like here to to Northern California, basically, is the distance we're talking about. From Chile to... From uh, from Colonia Dignidad to Santiago, Chile, which is okay. the capital. Uh, and they were able to report the abuse and add their stories now to the bulk of the stories that came out. Because now there are definite stories with a definite witness who's willing to speak out. And at that point, they mobilized and went into the colony and Paul Schaefer fled. Now, because democracy had taken over when they got to the colony, they basically freed everybody. Sort of. They put them into groups based on age, but, you know, intermingled and then put them into cities. And Winifred basically said this is one of the first times I'd ever stood on a sidewalk. Like I'd just never seen a sidewalk. And I'm a 20 year old dude with the emotional, you know, preparedness of an eight year old because I've never been outside. And so they basically helped a lot of them get into university. That's how Winford went. Um, But basically, this is how a lot of people get freed. But a lot of people stayed because it was the only home they knew. And so that's how Via Bavaria basically turns into a resort is that people are like, well, what do we do with this place that it's the only thing we know? Schaefer was eventually caught. He died in 2006 in a prison hospital. All right. Yeah. Always like it when the Nazis finally die in prison and not on that Brazilian beach. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And there are currently court cases fighting for the restitution for the survivors and excavations continue in the mass graves. Winford went on to university, as I mentioned, and he's now one of the leading lawyers on the lawsuit for Colonia Dignidad, where there are at least 120 survivors. Yeah. So he wants a full investigation, he wants restitution, and he wants recognition from both countries, basically actual governing bodies of these crimes. Basically, he wants people to publicly acknowledge the crimes. And he wants a goddamn Dr. Pepper, goddamn it. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So did they ever determine if Schaefer was acting completely alone? Because one would think that a guy like that might 
uh, accumulate kind of skis balls around him? And if so, did they ever go after anybody else other than Schaefer for what went on? So there? a lot of the people that we do know were there and were skis balls were former Nazis, and most of them were dead by that point. Mm. Most of them lived out their lives technically free in Colonia Dignidad. Really? Um, yeah, spe- the bad guys were Nazis. Oh, what? Oh, man. I mean, specifically, Walter Ralph was one of the ones. He invented the mobile gas chamber where he would just, mm-hmm. like, roll up to a town, round them up. And so he... And the drive through uh, gas chamber. He did yeah. that one, too. Yeah. He is basically... He lived his the whole rest of his days at Colonia Dignidad. He was never captured. He successfully that lived sucks. there. Yeah. yeah. They say that he tried working on a combination gas chamber and uh, pizza hut, but it never... <laughs> Never really took off. <laughs> they only had the personal pizzas, but you couldn't uh, order those combos with the Taco Bell stuff. They can't put them in the same oven. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> it incinerates everything. It's yeah. a horrible oven. Yeah, kind of like that horrible microwave. Oh, um, God. <laughs> so that is the end of Colonia Dignidad. I'm sorry it had to be so much torture today. No, it's... Can I ask I liked it. I want to know, so when did we find out what a horrible person Paul Schaefer was? Clearly there were some indications before 95, but like when did that become public knowledge that you could Google Paul Schaefer if there was Google around at the time and figure out that he was a dirtbag? Uh, 1986 was his trial. Okay. So that that was when you were able, like, because here's the thing. In America, we didn't know pretty much anything about this until then. Yeah. Um, Germany knew as early as the mid-80s. Um, potentially a little bit before because there are two people that escape in the 60s and testify. But a lot of that is just kind of like an uh, isolated case and no one really does anything about it until the 80s. It's not until uh, 1996 really that the world knows. Um, however, they were hunting the Nazis that they were harboring. So the world knew about that. And they had caught a lot of them leading up to that time. Like they'd caught Mangala at that point. Also... The amount of experiments that they're doing at Colonia Dignidad is why people think Mangala was there, but there's no record of him being there. I I want a fan fiction of the, what is it, the Mossad just taking Paul Schaefer out before he could torture this many children. Oh, yeah, that'd be yeah. lovely. Just like, yeah. oh, I want that crime. The, the inglorious bastards yeah, the of Colonia Dignidad. Yeah, yeah. Col- yeah, it's horrible. I hate that they call these experiments because, again... Yeah. And You're like, what are you learning from this? Experiments should either be fun volcanoes you make with your mommy <laughs> or fun experiences where you call a guy daddy in college that one time. <laughs> Those are experiments. I mean, at the very least, they should follow the scientific method and not just, like, shock people willy-nilly. Here's my hypothesis. Dudes? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, spoiler alert if you haven't watched the end of Game of Thrones, uh, there's a, a famous thing at the end of Game of Thrones where one of the main characters who everybody thought was good and was a main character turns yep. out to be bad. And then what ended up happening is all these really angry moms were like, I named my daughter that! I was and, so happy. And, they, they, and then she turns out to be like a horrible person who's yeah. like the worst character of the show. And so everybody got like, they got super mad. They're like, oh my gosh, she's got to walk through life with this name! I wonder if the parents of David Letterman keyboardist Paul Schaefer felt the same way in 1996. <laughs> like his mom looks at his dad and he's like, I told you we were going to name him Sam. We could have avoided all of this. Paul Schaefer was 62 years old in 1996. Even then. Here's the crazy thing. There are so many Paul Schaefers. In fact, there's another German politician named Paul Schaefer. So whenever you do research, you have to be like Paul Schaefer pedophile, Paul Schaefer cult leader, Paul Schaefer colonia dignidad. 
that or else you get either the guy from Letterman or a million huh. and a half of the That's people. why he changed his name to the artist formerly known as, as Paul, Paul Schaefer. Yeah. And now he's just a symbol that looks like two real eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> Both staring directly in the same direction. Yeah. I want to see Paul Schaefer, the keyboardist, taunting Paul Schaefer, the Nazi, and it's just him holding a fork. Having both yeah. eyes. <laughs> there, so I have a very common Hispanic name. It's Armando Torres. Uh-huh. And if you Google it, several other people come up. And the top three are, uh, number three is uh, a famous Mexican boxer. Okay. Uh, number two is a character in Grand Theft Auto. Oh. <laughs> and, and number one is a United States Marine who went to Mexico. <gasps> yes. And got kidnapped probably by the cartel and they never found out what happened to him and as soon as i read that story i was like god damn it i'll never be the number one armando <laughs> it's too good of a story tj the- is 10 minutes away bro we can get your ass kidnapped <laughs> i'm the number one page wesley but it took years of me like murdering shout- kids <laughs> murdering shouting down the ceo named page wesley <laughs> who was really mad when i got the linkedin all of the other andrea gazettes are men in italy who are doctors so those are the other andrea gazettes you can google but how does your podiatry work stack up against theirs <laughs> mine's prettier <laughs> there's a 12 year old skateboarder in pennsylvania that likes ice cream and uh, hanging out with friends <laughs> and gets some horrible misdirected messages <laughs> oh yeah. yeah he gets a lot of those so i'm not sure what to say to make you feel better about what we just all had to listen to other than, I don't know, design your own fun eye patch. <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Dr. Pepper. Way better than Mr. Pepper. <laughs> We're, I, all right, this, is, we, this has gone on for too, too long. This podcast is actually uh, funded by Big Eye Patch. <laughs> uh, it's all a scam. Did you know that glass eyes aren't round? Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. What are they like? They're like an oval. They're like a cup. Oh, like, yeah. Con- Wait. Whoa. 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 Like a cup? Yeah. Like they're concave. Contact. Like a, they're con- They're like a little contact. And but they're just- like eye shaped. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, now I might be changing my mind because now too late. I, I had the right answer. Now, no, I, now I, I'm thinking you can hide more stuff in the eye itself. Behind the eye. Yeah. Now you just have a cool little roof. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's for your hidey hole. Yeah. It's just a hole in your head where you could put drugs and then yeah, yeah. just yeah or pennies, anything fun. Yeah. But what? Well, there's two drugs? holes in my head that I put <laughs> drugs into. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, this could be one of those things that where if the drugs touch your bloodstream, then you die, like people who dip tampons in vodka. Oh. That's why we have plastic baggies, duh. <laughs> Wait, what if I enjoy shoving the drugs up my ass? Why, well, do I have I mean, I'm not going to stop you from doing it, but if you want to avoid someone putting a cattle prod there like this cult, then, you know, make your choices. I could actually see the fake eye being almost like a controlled release drug device. You know, Ooh. you've got some cocaine that just slowly leaches into your system, and then you're always blazed. I'm listening. Let's all get some forks. <laughs> I'm a spoon gal myself. <laughs> Pops right out. Well, thank you so much for joining us right before our live show and making time for us to come in and, and quickly record in your crazy studio with a freight elevator. Woo-hoo! Yeah. This feels like uh, on the on the weekdays, it's uh, Dexter's murder lab. Yeah, it's this close is- to that. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, on the weekdays, we uh, we tape Science Faction. Go check out uh, www.thescienceFaction.com. And occasionally, Ryan will come in here and we'll do a little podcast called The Degenerates, which you can also find on uh, Stitcher, Podbean, when iTunes. He, when he was on without me, did he plug the, the second one or did he just plug Science he, Faction? No, he plugged both. All right. I didn't. He, she's lying. She's just trying to be nice. I only plug Science Faction. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole. See, the Degenerate podcast, he's on both, uh, but it's a better show. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. So I don't know how much you're paying to rent this space, but uh-huh. you should rent another one in this building, and mm-hmm. that should be your bunker. Oh, okay. This is like a zombie-proof building. This is nice concrete building. The problem is it's way too much in the middle of the city. There's no water well here. I can't get away and get grow my own crops. No, 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 no. You got, we got to go out to the East County for that. I Where mean, I live. <laughs> if you want to you know, be in East County, that's up mm-hmm, to you. Mm-hmm. I'd rather die in the city, but that's just me. Guys. Thank you, Paige. You're staying at my house that's in <laughs> East County. <laughs> I actually, your house is very fun. Thank you so much. I don't so know where East County is, but I'm assuming that it has ATVs. Am I wrong? It's east of here. There will be there. some ATVs in some parts of it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm really hoping to find Fago in one of the stores locally. Oh, it, there's it's down the street from my house. Hell yeah. That's right. It's every every place has a quote unquote East County. It's where you see less libraries and more meth. <laughs> In Milwaukee, the East County is the lake. So. Again, oh, I, I, I I feel like y'all keep missing that I live there and I'm sitting right the fuck here. And you do have a great house. Your house is An awesome. amazing meth. <laughs> <laughs> amazing meth is called Coke. <laughs> and, you know, proximal to Fago so I can get my Juggalo on. <laughs> All right. And uh, if after checking out Science Faction and the Degenerates, you are not uh, too bored of me, and you're in the San Diego area. I do a monthly show called Nerd Night the first Tuesday of every month at 32 North Brewing at 6.30 p.m. It's kind of like TED Talks, but with lo- three local scientists, and uh, they have beer there. So it's better than TED Talks in that. Also, it's not totally bullshit. So come on out, listen to me, tell some uh, funny science ha-has. Yay. What's your, uh, what's your like, Instagram and Twitter and stuff? Don't do them. <laughs> a gentleman. Ah, that's right. Well, if you'd like to join me in the 21st century, I am on Facebook and Instagram. It's Ryan underscore Shores 138 on Instagram. Just search Ryan Shores on Facebook. I'm the uh, fist logo, not the 12-year-old little bastard that likes hanging out with friends and skateboarding. Uh, I, I run a uh, monthly, sh- uh, two monthly shows here in San Diego County. One in El Cajon, California at the Burning Beard Brewery. That uh, next one will be on July 18th with uh, headliner Comedy Central's own Ron Taylors. Come on out. Uh, if you want to find me, you can just look up Armando Torres. But <laughs> it's not Mexican. Hope for the best. He's the one you can find. Yeah. If you want to, <laughs> yeah. If you want to find me, you just pop in uh, Grand Theft Auto, The Ballad of Gay Tony, and play like yeah, 15 minutes in. Uh, you won't get to play as Armando, which was really upsetting, but it's whatever. Um, no, you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. M A N D O Does Stuff. Uh, I also got my show dates on my website, which is MondoDoesStuff.com. This month in July, I'm going to Fresno. I think you mean Fres, yes. Fres. <laughs> No, I don't want to go. <laughs> I really don't. People will offer me trips. To, trips. Trips. There's not trips. Is it all intense? No. All expenses paid trip to Fresno. Me. What's that, like a couple cigarettes and beef jerky? Yeah. <laughs> They'll say, hey, Armando, how bad do you want to do stand-up? And I go, so bad. And yeah. they go, will you come to Fresno? And I go, ah, yeah. Not so that I'll bad. be there. I'll be there in Fresno. I'll have the fun with it. 
Oh, hey guys, it's Andrea here. I, uh, if you want to send me a case of Dr. Pepper, uh, <laughs> you want to know how to get in touch with me, you can find me on all the things at Sundress Comic. If you want to check out my art, you can check it out at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram or www.myname.andreagazetta.com. Our motto made a website. It's cool. You can buy paintings and stickers. It's cool. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Uh, and if you want to send me different flavors of Fago that you think I should try to go full clown, uh, you can do that at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Uh, the only acceptable flavor is cotton candy Fago. See, that sounds like it would taste gross. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's more sour than you think it's going to be. Okay, watermelon pineapple was really good. I also don't like soda anymore. Which mm. uh, And Fago is just soda with more sugar in it. The, yeah. the the store next to my house, I think they have four flavors: cotton candy, rock and rye, red pop, and like one other one. Root okay. beer, I think. And jail time. It's <laughs> <laughs> a secret fago. Yeah, flavor. our fifth flavor: diabetes. <laughs> Do they have moon I, mist? I tried it once and I spit it out. I have a video of me doing it. Yeah, red pop is really sweet. Rock and rye is not as bad. I I haven't tried cotton candy yet. I want to try the peach one. But I can't find it anywhere. We're not all highfalutin with the peach in East County, which no one seems to have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you like our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Cult Podcast. Or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us some emails so we can learn about cults or... Complain if you're if you own Mr. Pib, send me a strongly worded email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. And if you want to send us eye patches or you know Nazi gold like that one time, uh, you can send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K number 237, like the shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. I'm just trying to get enough Nazi gold so I can go back in time and confuse them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm rich! And they'd just be like, how? How did we let this happen? That's what I want. Uh, And I think I'm going to say don't drink really any liquid or medicine that they give you at Colonia Dignidad. But mainly, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye! I also love the idea that you would go to Germany and the only German you would know is Das Boot. (laughs) 